Welcome to Locked on Yankees. I'm Jesse Spector, and in addition to being your host on this show and at LockedOnYankees.com, you can find me writing sports business at Deal Breaker, hockey at NewJerseyDevils.com, more baseball in the pages of Rockies Magazine, and occasionally doing a bit of whatever at the score, plus a hockey talk show on Lightning Power Play. In other words, I'm a freelance sports guy. Used to work at the Daily News and Sporting News, and now I'm doing this. It'll be fun. Let's have fun. And we are having fun, because today, Tuesday, is the day that LockedOnYankees.com really starts to uh, populate itself with, with work. I'm excited to have a staff that is geared up and ready to go, and we're going to hit you with a, a few good pieces and to, to launch and right off the top of the bat, uh, right off the top of the bat, right off the bat, right off the top. Not right off the top of the bat. Right off the top of the bat is bad. Right off the top. Right off the bat. Uh, On this show today, Anthony Fisher will be here. He's the author of one of those pieces that will be up on LockedOnYankees.com. And a little later on, we'll hear from Gary Phillips, who's going to be one of the members of the hosting rotation here on Locked on Yankees, as uh, as I deliver less and less content by myself. But (laughs) I'm glad to, to be... Uh, shepherding this because it's fun and it's exciting getting different voices and I, I think that you don't just want to hear me you don't just want to know uh, what I think about the Yankees that's you know you can get that for free on Twitter you can get that for free at Locked on Yankees too we're not charging you anything so you can get it for free but I think that it's uh, it's worth your while to to have a place that you can get diverse voices and and a lot of you know different people weighing in chiming in and i'm glad to have a a role where i've made this for myself that that i'm going to be a little bit more behind the scenes than content creating uh as as my main focus i want i want those voices to be you know delivering a real good picture of yankee baseball for you and and i think that they will I think that we will. I am going to be part of it. I'm just not going it alone, and I'm I'm excited about that. You've already heard from Larry Fleischer and Omari Brown on this show. You've heard from uh, Britt Huber, who's also uh, got a, one of the pieces that's uh, going to be up on LockedOnYankees.com. You'll hear from more people as we go on, as as because it's a it's a significant team, and I'm excited to be uh, working with everybody who is going to be working. Uh, with Locked on Yankees as we move forward. And as we move forward, we will do so, I, I suppose, perhaps, at least to start the season, it looks like, without Jacoby Ellsbury, who is probably going to start the season on the disabled list just as a matter of not being able to get in enough at-bats before the season actually starts. And also, uh, the Yankees could not possibly care any less than they do about... Uh, having Jacoby Ellsbury on their roster one way or another. They care that he's healthy, uh, but he's he's got, you know, he's had the oblique injury, which is healed now, uh, but he's had the flu rate recently. Uh, so, you know, that's that's tough. Tough flu season. And, you know, it, it's hindering him. It's hampering him. He's not able to get the at-bats that he needs before the season starts. You would think that it'll be one of those deals where it's retroactive and they eventually you know, get him back playing. I'm not entirely sure exactly how the rules work on that. 
at the end of spring training with, you know, if you play in major league games in spring training, grapefruit league games, or do you have to play in minor league games while you to still be eligible for your retroactive disabled list? It's also possible that Ellsbury doesn't start the season on the disabled list and that, you know, he does get at-bats in the remaining nine days before the start of the season. It seems unlikely. That's why all the headlines are, you know, this one, Newsday, Jacoby Ellsbury likely to start season on the disabled list. That's where we're at. He's probably going to be on the DL. Is it going to affect the Yankees' opening day lineup? Not even a little bit. It's going to be you know, some combination of uh, Gardner, Hicks, Stanton, and Judge in the outfield. Somebody else at DH. Gary Sanchez catching and Craig Bird at first. You'd think Neil Walker at second and Brand Jury at third. D.D. Gregorius at shortstop. And we now know also Luis Severino will be on the mound in Toronto. Uh, so that's exciting. Looking forward to Severino getting his first opening day start. The rarity of a, a homegrown Yankees product as an opening day starter. And uh, yeah, just a little more than a week away. Can't wait. I'm excited for it. And I'm also excited to tell you that if you want to get in and uh, advertise here on Locks on Yankees, you should do that because the season is just about here and you're going to want to be in the ears of Yankees fans. So send an email to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. That's LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. All right. Right now I am joined by uh, one of the new contributors here at Locked On Yankees and somebody whose uh, first story for the site you will be able to see on Tuesday, uh, depending upon when you are listening to this. Uh, you may or may not be able to see it at LockedOnYankees.com right now. Uh, we live really right around the corner from each other, but we've never met, which is kind of funny and interesting, but not that funny or interesting. So I will just get right to it with Anthony Fisher. Anthony, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for uh, being part of this. And uh, I, I guess just, you know, first of all, since... Uh, you know, since you're joining up here, I I just want to know, you know, what brought you to this uh, to this site to Locked On Yankees. Well, I'm a I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. I like to describe myself as a reasonable Yankee fan, in that um, uh, I try to present a good face to the outside world, uh, and you know, I'm proud of the fact that I grew up uh, during a time when the Yankees were terrible and. Um, went to college in Boston when the Yankees were great and endured tremendous amount of abuse during that time. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always been a, a, just a general baseball and sports fanatic in general. Uh, and I'm at a, you know, just at, at a, at a point where, uh, I write for, I write, I write about sports for the week.com pretty often and some other sites. Um, but to uh, have the opportunity to write exclusively about the Yankees and not have to hedge my bets uh, or, uh, you know, try to play to some um, kind of uh, neutrality uh, is appealing to me. To just be able to let it rip and let my Yankee freak flag fly is, uh, is appealing to me. So I'm glad to be involved with the site. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's an important thing. I think that we are – we're somewhere in between – uh, it's not a straight-up fan site that, that we've got going here. I think that you can kind of tell that uh, from having heard the podcast to this point, if, if you've been listening along, if you're new, uh, it serves as a as a good explanation. And, and just like my 
deals. Like, yeah, I grew up a fan. Personally, I grew up a fan of both the Yankees and the Mets because it didn't matter until 97 and nobody cared. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I grew up, the Yankees were terrible most of the time. Uh, they won the World Series when I was 15. So, uh, similar deal, but, you know, some journalistic bits and some a little bit more fan and, and we'll have a good balance and hopefully uh, different kinds of voices will be able to flourish here. And yeah, I can only imagine uh, having gone to college in Boston because I, I did take the the tour at Boston University, uh, which is mm-hmm. like right across the street from Fenway. And yeah. I was like, I I can't imagine doing this. And going no, I literally, I literally, I literally, uh, sophomore and junior year lived right behind Fenway Park. And when I say literally, I mean my uh, third floor window at eleven sixty three Boylston Street faced out onto Jillian's and the back of Fenway Park. You could see, um, you could see the field from my window. If you went to my roof, you could see both home plate and the pitcher's mound, depending on where you were standing between the signs. Um, which was a great place to bring, like uh, you know, Massachusetts native girls. They, mm-hmm. It was a, it was, it was quite a makeout spot. Um, <laughs> but like, li- literally, there was nothing between us. It was, it, it was literally, it, you know, it was literally next to Fenway Park. It was a rat-infested, uh, horrible place. Uh, but I do look, I do recall those years fondly. Uh, I remember uh, watching the '99 All Star Game. Which I believe, you know, that, I believe I was ninety nine, yeah. and uh, and of course the ninety nine ALCS, uh, where the Yankees won in five, uh, but there was the one crazy game where Pedro uh, outdueled Roger Clemens in game three. That was the only game the Red Sox won. There were some controversial calls, and of course I had to be the, the you know maniac who w- put a Yankee sign in my window, and they they found a way to break my third floor window. They, wow. they they reached that high. That's how pissed off they were. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, I mean, in my in my writing, I, I even even writing for a Yankee site, I still try to maintain some objectivity and stick to the facts. But uh, but but at the same time, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm writing for more mainstream sites, I, I I almost hide the fact unless that's the point of the article. Um, but but yeah, there was. Um, there, the 2009 was a was a was a great. Uh, elixir for me because um, the, the Yankees won. I was a senior in high school and they won in 96, which at the time was just kind of an unbelievable thing. Nobody nobody really, unless you were a Yankee fan there, you can't really understand the fatalism of the team <laughs> prior to that point for about 18 years. Uh, it was even a joke. There was even a Simpsons episode, uh, like one of the earliest Treehouse of Horror episodes mm-hmm. where uh, Ned Flanders, who is Satan, says, uh, it, you're not supposed to be here till the next time the Yankees win the pennant, which is a, a century from now. That's that's how bad it was for the Yankees in the early 90s. Um, but, uh, you know, by 98, 99, we definitely had our swagger, and I was I was swaggering, and, and Boston was just, you know, a, a place of fatalism. And, and, I, and I used to say to them, I was like, if you guys ever won, you would hate yourselves because you'd become everything you hate. I didn't realize that they would win relentlessly for about two decades after that in every sport. Uh, but they have become everything they've hated. And it's really, um, it's, it, that, that's the one satisfaction I have over all the winning that Boston and New England has done is that they still desperately want to be the angry, uh, 
misanthropic uh, underdogs, but they can't. They just can't. It's just not possible anymore for, for basically a century. Yeah, and they are the home of, I think, with this you know likable run of the Yankees, if you will, and, and we've been over that a little bit, uh, Boston is home to, or not Boston, but Foxborough is home to the most loathed and despised sports franchise in, in all of North American pro sports, which is highly enjoyable. It is. I'll, I'll, I'll take it, especially after you know. I, I was, I was, I, and, and this past Super Bowl, I was, uh, I was determined to not get worked up over it either way because I just, was, it was sure they were going to win, and that they that they didn't was was nice. But I had already kind of like inured myself that they would. Yeah, I can't stand the Eagles, but it was the, the Patriots losing was the one solace in that. So there's, yeah, there's I, I, you know, it's it's like. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big Cardinals fan, but I wanted them to win the 4 World Series because I didn't want... Uh, but by that point, who cared? Because of 3 yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about that, and let's instead talk about <laughs> uh, your first piece here, which digs back into that uh, past of really terrible Yankee times that uh, brought us to... sort of brought us to where we are now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so... Um... My piece is on uh, the hiring of Aaron Boone as uh, only the fourth different Yankee manager in the last 20, I always, I'm terrible at math, uh, but I, I, I think it's 92, mm-hmm. it's 26 years, but it's 27 seasons if you count uh, 1992 and 2018. So in 27 seasons, there will have only been four managers come the start of opening day, uh, and that is just Absolutely, in any franchise in baseball, a remarkably steady run, uh, especially when you consider that the Yankees have not had a losing season since 1992, um, even though they missed the playoffs a handful of times, not not a losing season. And um, and that's because in the 20 seasons prior to that, when George Steinbrenner bought the team in 1973 for a pittance uh, as barely a majority owner, uh they averaged about one managerial change per season. Mm-hmm. In once in one season, 1982, which was only one year removed from a pennant, they had three managers in one single season. They had Billy Martin manage five different times, Lou Pinella twice, Gene Michael twice, Dick Hauser twice. Uh, I think there was another one, maybe Bob Lemon. Um, Lou Pinella was all, and Gene Michael also had stints as general managers. Uh, you had Yogi Berra in at one point, who had been a, a manager prior to Steinbrenner and also after, and also infamously refused to step foot in Yankee Stadium as long as Steinbrenner was the owner, though he did um, accept Steinbrenner's apology and made his first appearance at Yankee Stadium July 18th, 1999, which was the day that David Cohn pitched his perfect game. Uh, but there's 20 years before Buck Showalter was hired in 1992 were just filled with such chaos and acrimony and dysfunction that it's kind of amazing that they won two World Series and four pennants in that time. They still managed to squeak out a, a decent amount of success from 1976 to 1981. But from 1982 up until 1993, uh, it was just yeah, teeth gnashingly frustrating. Especially since that those were you know the Mets were great, 
that's, and not only were they great, but they were exciting as hell. You know, they, 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 those, you know, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, just, just a, you know, phenomenal team that should have won three World Series, and without cocaine, they might have, you know. Um, but uh, the Yankees during that time, actually in the 80s, won more regular season games than any other franchise, but mm-hmm. only made the playoffs in 1981. Just a, a bunch of second-place seasons, and then by the end of the decade, a bunch of fifth-place seasons. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it was just a carousel of managers. Billy Martin, then Lou Pinello, then Billy Martin again, then Lou Pinello again, then Dallas Green, then Bucky Dent, then Stump Merrill. It was just insane. Like, it was not... It, 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 you, you rarely had a, a manager start and finish a season. It, it, it would be the kind of thing where a manager would be hired in May after George Steinbrenner would get frustrated by a slow start and the manager would stick around till the following May. <laughs> that was kind of how it went. So, you know, the fact that Buck, uh, Buck Showalter got four full seasons before he got canned and Torrey got 12. Now, now, now again, Torrey had four World Series championships in his first five years, bought him some goodwill. But even still, um, the fact that he made the playoffs 12 out of 12 seasons is just incredible. And, you know, now George gave up uh, control of the team when his, you know, uh, mental capacity started to fail him and Hal took over. Hal certainly wasn't as impetuous or camera-hungry as George, so Joe Girardi had a lot more rope to work with. But, you know, still, 10 seasons, um, even with a bunch of missed playoffs, 10 seasons with one manager who was not exactly, you know, Mr. Personality, remarkably steady run, you know, and, and I think Joe Girardi was a very good manager mm-hmm. who overachie- overachieved in a lot of seasons, particularly like um, 2013 and 2014, you know, Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter's last years, where um, they were still in contention until the last week of the season. They still had a shot at the wild card. So they were never, like, phoning it in, and last year was just a total overachieving of the season, and I would have, personally, I would have kept Girardi, but I uh, I do understand that sometimes a change you know a change for change's sake is just part of the game. So um, basically, when when people are saying, "Oh, Aaron Boone, this is crazy. The guy's got no managerial or coaching experience of any kind," I'm willing to put my trust in Brian Cashman, who has been a remarkably underrated and steady hand for 20 seasons. And uh, and I would just only remind impatient Yankee fans that. Aaron Boone with no managerial or coaching experience isn't the craziest thing to happen to the Yankee managerial office. You know, be, be thankful that this is the weirdest thing that's happened in quite some time. You tie it together well, and I would encourage everybody to go and read the piece at LockedOnYankees.com. Anthony, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you back uh, soon enough. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, Jesse. Thanks so much. And now I am thrilled to be joined by the newest podcast host here at Locked on Yankees, somebody else who's stepping in the rotation. Uh, that would be Gary Phillips. Gary, how you doing? How are you doing, Jesse? I'm great. I'm, I'm really good because this is uh, another voice for the show as well as uh, you know another day of the week that somebody other than me is going to be... Uh, <laughs> talking into this thing i i feel like i found that that i'm i'm enjoying what i'm doing now as as sort of marshalling a, a website together and and also a podcast and and the actual 
I enjoy this. I enjoy putting a show together, and I enjoy talking about the Yankees very much. But I, I'm I'm also really enjoying hearing different voices, and and I'm particularly uh, excited for what you're going to do because you're not going to be following the one host uh, format here. No, that's that's true. Um, I'm also going to be hosting with my good friend Sean St. Jacques. We went to Seton Hall together. We both have grown up as Yankees fans. We've both gotten a lot of experience working in the sports journalism and broadcast industry. So I'm really excited about what we can bring to Locked On Yankees. Kind of have some banter and some chemistry already established, and and I'm looking forward to what we could could do for the site. That's cool. And and Sean is also going to be... Uh, writing for the site, you do some writing in other places, and you know, you're certainly welcome to to join in on LockedOnYankees.com. But you know, I I understand that uh, podcasting is uh, why you're part of this team, and that is a cool thing. I'm looking forward to to hearing you do it. Well, me too. I've got a lot of experience. I think already writing. I've been with FanRag Sports since my sophomore year of college. I'm with Sporting News now, and I cover the Yankees along with Major League teams that pass through Yankee Stadium. So I really wanted to dip my feet in the podcasting side of things and get some more broadcast experience. Yeah, that's uh, kind of similar to what I used to do at Sporting News in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, show up at Yankee Stadium and see who was there and write about the Yankees when they were... Uh, when they were worth writing about. And we also share in common that our, our alma maters both lost to Kansas in the NCAA tournament. So sorry to everybody out there they did. who doesn't like the Jayhawks. We all did our best. That They did. I, I was really counting on your alma mater <laughs> t- taking Kansas out of the picture. No, yeah. no offense, I think that would have been a much easier second-round matchup, but they, they couldn't pull off the uh, the UMBC magic. Yeah, it, it it only it only fits that the year that Penn is a 16, that that's finally the year that a 16 wins, and it's not Penn when everybody was talking about how great Penn was as a 16 and, like, the best 16 seed you ever saw. And yeah, it's uh, it's tough. But, yeah, so it goes. Penn basketball's back where it belongs, which is in the tournament, and I suppose also losing in the tournament. But, <laughs> eh. say la vie. So... As far as uh, as far as the Yankees go this season, because we are on a a Yankees show, um, right? What what are your expectations for this team? Uh, my expectations are pretty high, but more importantly, the teams are pretty high. I haven't seen a player that's been asked who hasn't passed on World Series or bust type predictions and expectations, yeah. and I think. If you look at the moves that this team made over the offseason, you look at what they did last year, how quickly some of these kids developed, I don't see how you have any other expectation. Are they the best team in the American League right now? I still think you got to give that to Houston, but crazy, crazier things have happened, and this is a team that belongs right back where it was last year. Yeah. Given how the playoffs unfold every single year, is it reasonable to say World Series or bust, or do we just kind of have to say, like, look, go out, have a great regular season, and chips fall where they may come October? That's that's my personal feeling on it for pretty much every Like, the Astros, Cleveland, Boston, the Yankees, like, 
if you can win like 95 games, win your division, get to the playoffs, I don't think your year is a failure if you don't make the World Series. I'm I'm curious. I'm not, you know, your take on that is, is your take on that, and I'm curious what your take on that is. So I think it's reasonable to still have the World Series be your expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, you can have a great regular season, like you said, win 95 games, and that doesn't make the year a failure. Absolutely not. Um, I, I think it's crazy and unrealistic to think that way, which is kind of how the Yankees have thought for a very long time. Uh, it's how their fan base has been conditioned to think over the years. But, yeah, the, the playoffs are a crapshoot. That goes for... That goes for any sport, and anything can happen in the postseason. You saw that last year with a Yankees team that people really didn't think was supposed to get as far as it did. So that they can buy into the World Series or bust motto and at the same time still be content enough at the end of the year, this is a 95-win team, which it very well should be. Yeah, I think so. And I look forward to, uh, to the season getting started. It is now nine days away. March 20th, at least when this is... Right around the corner. When, when you're going to hear this. So, March 20th now, March 29th. We're into the March 20s. Oh, boy. We're getting close. Counting I'm, down. I'm Counting down the days. Excited for that. Excited to have you hosting, uh, hosting the Locked on Yankees podcast uh, yeah, when you do. And uh, we will see you getting started real soon. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm happy to be a part of the team, Jesse, and I'm excited for what we're going to do. All right, Gary. Thanks a lot. Can't wait. Thank you.